who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, sorry, what did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard for team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about? It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier with one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Hey, everyone. This is John Rocco, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode from the Geek Buddies. We are back at it again this week to talk about all the things going on in the world of geekdom. we got so many trailers to jump into. we got two big stories to lead off the show. Uh, certainly one that will put smiles and then some angry faces on uh, on some of us here having that discussion. The first topic and then jumping into some first reactions to Jurassic World Dominion. I was able to see it last night, but you don't want to bring up the other critics, other people in the sphere and what their thoughts on the big film that's going to be coming out this weekend, possibly challenging Top Gun Maverick for domination there at the box office. And our main topic will be a spoiler discussion of Stranger Things Season 4. We've all seen the first seven episodes. A lot of you have been tweeting at us to talk about it, so we thought, well, why not? We'll do it on the show and do it uh, as our main topic. And, uh, well, we should introduce ourselves before we get going. I am the Outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation. Mike? I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shannon? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and the Goldbergs. And you guys uh, have a, a strawberry shortcake of the, just wrapped up. Is that correct? Uh, what happened there? I saw tweets. I saw tweets. <laughs> strawberry, Our- shortcake, uh, strawberry Shortcakes run on YouTube where it was being released once every week. Uh, we got through the first 40 shorts, which is the first season. Um, but you can still check all of them. Uh, they're, they're packaged as little twofers on Netflix. So it's 20 episodes, season one currently airing on Netflix. So go check it out. Uh, our big moment at the end, our cliffhanger revealed that the peculiar purple pie man who has not been in strawberry shortcake cartoons for some time now is back. Wow. And I can tell you on pretty good authority that when we get to season two, he will be causing strawberry shortcake. No small amount of headaches. Were there any rumors, uh, any truth to the rumors that David Tennant was going to come back and voice it, another purple character? Was that true or was that not in play at all with David Tennant? The purple character that he played is way more upsetting than our <laughs> peculiar purple pie. I don't think you can get that purple, uh, that that peculiarly purple in a, in a kid's program. That was, uh, that, that's fair intense enough. stuff. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. What I like about it is that it's it's a tight, it sounds like 160 minutes uh, from what I'm getting here, which is equivalent to the f- season finale of season four of Stranger Things. So that's fascinating. Yeah. That 40, yeah. uh, 44 minute short. It's pretty incredible. All right. Yeah. Uh, and both, both available on Netflix. <laughs> Excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, so we're going to get into all the things going on here in the world of geekdom, but we want to give a big shout out to uh, Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors everything we do here on the Outlaw Nation channel, especially the Geek Buddies. They do power and sponsor us here. Go to CarbonHealth.com. you got any health issues, any stuff going on, but as I've said before, the numbers are rising. People are going back in, contracting this thing. Uh, so you want to go get tested and see what's going on there. If you've got any other health issues, go to CarbonHealth.com. They've got clinics all over the country, 100 of them. 50-plus of them are in California, and they offer virtual care as well to help you out with any issues you might have. I don't know if they've got back to tanks, but they can certainly help you out for sure. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's see. If you're feeling whacked, you got to get that back to. <laughs> exactly. Somebody make a shirt out of that, please. Uh, and the way the show works is each of us brings up a news item in the first block. Uh, so there's three news items. And we'll take a break and talk about uh, the main topic there, as we mentioned. Um, uh, Michael, I think you're leading us off this time around. Please take it away. I think I am. Um, Dropping this week, director Todd Phillips posted on his Instagram confirmation that there is a script for a sequel 
to 2019's The Joker. Um, he included a cover of the script, which is written by Phillips and Scott Silver. Uh, and in the post, the includes a shot of Joaquin Phoenix reading the screenplay. And the title page of the screenplay reveals the title of the movie, which is Joker Follet Adieu. Follet Adieu. Which, Follet Adieu, which translates to... Uh, oh, I just had it, and now oh. I can't find it. What does it translate to, guys? It oh, Shared Madness. Joker... <laughs> Shared madness. Um, so Warner Brothers has kind of remained silent on the subject. Uh, maybe Todd Phillips jumped the gun a little bit on this in his excitement about a sequel to a movie that he said that there was never going to be a sequel to. <laughs> but uh, looks like we're getting a Joker movie. Uh, and based on the title, there's already been a ton of speculation about what shared madness could mean. Yeah. Could shared madness mean all of Gotham is sharing in the madness of the Joker, as we saw in the riots at the end of the first movie. Could shared madness be a nod to the fact that he and Batman both are kind of flip sides of the same madness coin as we've seen in uh, A Killing Joke? Or could shared madness mean that he will be meeting someone to share his madness with, a la a blonde uh, psychiatrist by the name of Harleen Quinzel? Ooh. So lots of speculation on what this could possibly mean. Um, but it definitely does mean that we're probably getting a sequel. And given the success that Warner Brothers had with Joker, it's not a huge surprise that they would have cracked a story to it. But gentlemen, what do you two think? Shannon? Well, you know, the first one ended, it ended so well. It um, it that was such a great ending. It was such a unique, uh, such a unique movie, such, a, such an interesting take on, on one of our classic, most famous DC bad guys. Um, for them to go back to the well, it's interesting. Like from a financial perspective, you totally get it. Like you, th they made this movie considering what it made. I mean, it was relatively cheap considering yeah. that it made so much money. Um, so it's not surprised from, from from a business perspective that they would want a sequel to this film that you know their investment paid off in 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 you know in dividends. Um, in terms of a story, I mean, folia do. I mean, it's specifically two. I mean, that's what do means in, in French is two. Oh, so jobs. like yeah. uh, so like the the that title certainly makes me think Batman. Mm -hmm. Are they going Ooh. to introduce a fourth Batman? <laughs> I kind of doubt it. <laughs> that's that's and would they introduce Harley Quinn? I mean, maybe. I mean yeah. The, the Gotham the Gotham take even though like it does, that's not actually two um, the Gotham take makes more sense to me but it's like yeah where does where does Arthur Fleck go from this point like it's really interesting now in the wake of Joker you know Todd Phillips kind of got a little bit of pushback because he was one of the folks that's like yeah we're not allowed to be funny anymore mm -hmm. um, and uh, the uh, the title it, it does seem a little. I don't know, a little, uh, little, uh, little artsy fartsy, for, for my taste. <laughs> for, <Godzilla. laughs> for the little, guy with a hangover is what you're saying. I mean, it's just it's it's surprising, <laughs> um, but it'll be curious to see because I feel like that title. I don't think that title has gotten anyone like, oh my gosh, here we go, round two. It's more like, oh really, dude? Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be curious to see. Uh, uh, what this turns out to be. I mean, again, I, I don't think going coming off, it was an Academy Award winning film. Yeah. Um, I don't think Joaquin Phoenix does this again unless he's confident in the project. 
And no matter what you think of Joaquin Phoenix's uh, personal life, how he had you know the whole documentary a few years ago, the guy's a brilliant the guy's a brilliant performer. So yeah. if he's willing to do this again, it seems like it's probably going to be pretty good. But we'll see. Yeah, he certainly was fantastic. And come on, come on. If you guys haven't seen that one, that is one you should definitely watch in black and white. It's fantastic uh, work that he did last year. But yeah, fascinating title. I mean, I don't mind the title. I don't necessarily think one way or the other because we've seen Mike and Shannon. We know we've seen numerous titles for Batman uh, kind of limited runs uh, through the years, through the decades. So why not the Joker getting some of these uh, titles as well? And it's interesting because it would it kind of makes sense too how the Joker would see himself as a little more cultured than he actually is. So playing on that. Also, this idea of the Foley do is so interesting because it, you look at the definition of this, it is a shared psychosis or a shared delusional order that is transmitted from one individual to another. So it could be two people sharing it, obviously uh, could have the same psychosis or one transferring it over. And that certainly makes you think, as Michael pointed out so well, of Harley Quinn. That's certainly that's he is the, you know, we've seen in the comics that he is the reason she became how she became that he's instrumental. We even saw it in the, uh, in the birds of prey or suicide squad film. We saw that happen as well. Jared Leto's part in that. So fascinating to see if that's going to be where they go with this, or if it's going to be a mass psychosis type thing uh, or what have you. But I love the fact that Joaquin was willing to be in the picture still in his black and white phase, apparently reading the script uh, because that gets me excited. But I only, I only, I don't know how you far you can go Without having a Batman, Mike, I don't know how much farther you can go with Joker into a second movie and not have some semblance of a Batman or some semblance of someone who is rising up here against him to stop him doing what he's doing. So I'm excited because the thing made a billion dollars, nominated for 11 Oscars and won some of those, especially Joaquin and the composer. But I'm, I'm, I get worried, even though I'm excited that they might like screw the pooch here and ruin the, the greatness of that first movie, which I loved. Um, what do you think about this, Mike? I, I mean, like I told you guys, like when I saw, like I think the Joker, I think that first Joker movie is amazing. I yes. think it is a, it is a really, really well-made film. It's a powerful film. It really like just gets under your skin, gives you the creepy crawlies. Like I think it's a very good movie. Um, it's not a movie that I'm gonna pop on on a Sunday afternoon and be like, let me feel horrible about life. But like, <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, but like when I saw the announcement for this film, I was kind of like. Eh. All right. And I think it is because like they all made such a big deal about like Todd Phillips was like, like, this isn't this isn't a new franchise. This I'm telling the singular story. And then Warner Brothers came out and said, we're not doing what Marvel's doing. Like, we're not making all these things like we're going to make these like marquee director led films and really tell these stories. And now, like, we're getting a sequel. And this is the problem with a multiverse, which Mm. is. Well, if you keep doing it and you keep making money, which is great for you. So all of a sudden we have at least two Jokers, potentially three Batman. Like, yeah. there's like, like, how many times are you gonna take the same characters in the same world? Like, you can't say that Todd Phillips is going to do his singular Joker film over here, and that we're gonna have Matt Reeves, like, tell his Batman trilogy over here, mm. but then we're gonna have a mainline DC universe with Michael Keaton as Batman over here, like, you're it's getting very crowded and very confusing very quickly so all that being said maybe there's no batman in this movie and it's a non-issue and it's fine but it's just like i do think you do run into the problem like how many stories do you have to tell all that being said this movie could be amazing the first one was great 
if the same creative team is coming in here and Joaquin Phoenix really likes what he gets to do and wants to come back and like further this story, like I'm not dogging on this movie yet because I do think it has the potential to be, holy shit, they did it again. Mm. I do think though, looking at the big picture of what Warner Brothers and DC are doing with all of their films, there there does start to really quickly, like we're going to talk about the Black Adam trailer in a minute. And I just keep wondering, I'm like, okay, so wait, which which heroes are yeah. in this part of the DC universe? Who, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? A lot of what's going on. So we'll see. But I'm definitely curious to see where they take it. I do think to kind of answer the question of like what it is like, do I think Todd Phillips wants to tell a Harley Quinn story? Maybe. Uh, but again, we've already had Margot Robbie. We already have the Harley Quinn animated series. So like, what is a new take on Harley Quinn? Yeah. I do think they would be smart to avoid Batman, but I also think that John is right. How many Joker stories can you tell without Batman? So what is this going to be? Definitely big question mark. I think every show that tries to do a show about Gotham and, you know, doesn't make Batman a central character eventually falls apart. Gotham fell apart. You could argue Titans fell apart. You know, seeing the silhouette of Batman, all that nonsense. It just doesn't work. He's so essential to what makes it. He's the straw that stirs the drink. As an old Reggie Jackson phrase used to be used in the 1970s. He is the straw that stirs the drink. The drink is nice, but I like the straw that stirs the drink. It, it brings it all together and to have it without him. I think it's a little strange. Another part of this, too, is Hollywood Reporter, and I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. I know we got to move on to all sub- sub- subjects here, but Hollywood Reporter uh, also said th- that uh, uh, Todd Phillips was in consultation and may serve as some advisor for future DC projects for Warner Brothers. So that, Mike, to go to your point here, kind of hints at the possibility that he may be involved in crafting some of the storylines here that may lead us back to a Robert Pattinson Batman versus a Joaquin Phoenix Joker. And another part of this that I want to throw in for you guys. Except, think about, think except we already have a different actor playing the Joker. Well, not a. we didn't see that person. We've heard. They, he never officially, they, I don't know, he never officially appeared as the Joker in the film. Although he can, Matt Reeves can say he's the Joker. Doesn't that give him a little bit of leeway maybe or no? I mean, they did release that deleted scene they where did. it is full on. <laughs> deleted scene. It's not canon. It's a deleted that... Okay. I mean, <laughs> alternate endings are not the endings, are they? Those are deleted scenes in essence. Those aren't the endings of the actual movie, though. So I, I and if it's shared madness, could it be that he's the one that turned him into a minion of the Joker? Although I doubt Barry Keegan would take a role like that and play someone second uh, to Joaquin Phoenix in a Joker situation. I want to throw one more thing out there to, and Mike. I know you got to address this as well, but like. Um, the idea of this idea of shared madness, this could also be like the first movie, a bit of a social commentary on the tribalism that is going on in our worlds, right? We've seen yeah. people buy into the shared madness, in my opinion, of QAnon or these other things, the MAGA movement, the, li- the left movement, the progressive movement. We've seen people buy into mentalities. And so and, and uh, looking from another perspective, someone can say that whole group is mad or that whole group is crazy. So it could be even an exploration of that. I mean, I do think that's more. I mean, given given the way Todd Phillips attacked the first story, I do think something like that is more likely. Yeah, I think that every geek being like, it's Harley Quinn, it's Bruce Wayne, it's Batman. Like, that's kind of like what the comic book fan right. wants to see. 
some comic book fans want to see. I don't want to speak for every comic book fan, but I do think that the shared madness and the idea that in our society today, there are a bunch of people believing things and like jumping on bandwagons on every side. Like, well, yeah. one person says this and we all believe this and then everybody believes this and all these people believe this, even though it's like provably false. That that's, you know, like, so I do think that kind of using uh, the Joker character here to sort of show how easy it is for people to all share in madness is probably at the end of the day, more likely in that arena is more likely where it's going to end up, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah we'll see. Um, all right. And uh, of course it's just starting. They've just written the script here and who knows how many revisions it's going to go through and when they'll start shooting, but it certainly is exciting, at least for me on my end, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to come up with. And you might be right, Mike, uh, defaulting to the comic book approach to this may be the wrong approach. Cause he certainly did not do that in that first movie. So right. this could be a completely different avenue. And I saw someone tweet out, Oh, which Martin Scorsese film is he going to copy from now? It's like, shut up. Just shut up. Uh, all right. <laughs> As if Scorsese was an original and never bit off anybody. All right. Let's move on to the next uh, subject here we're going to talk about. And that's Jurassic World Dominion. It's coming out this weekend. What is we're talking about this tomorrow night? There are screenings already uh, out there for Jurassic World Dominion. Some people got to see it at the premiere on Monday night. I got to see it last night here in San Diego in a COVID-packed theater. Uh, and But we've got some reactions from people who are in the business, some of their fellow critics of mine. And let's take a look and see you guys' reactions. Jazz Tange, this is, weird. This is from Variety, by the way. Jazz Tange said Jurassic World Dominion is a big, roaring, fun adventure. The dinosaurs are bigger and better than ever. It's nonstop dinosaur action. And Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill's return hit the nostalgic spots. I just love them. Clayton Davis said, let's be clear. It doesn't matter what I say about Jurassic World Dominion. It's going to make so much money. It defies logic. It's a movie where things just happen and people know things, quote, because. Smoke a joint, go drunk, and have the time of your life. Nostalgia on overdrive. Funny how I've been saying that for five years about Transformers films. But no, no, no. Let's make it apply to Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. Courtney Howard says Jurassic World Dominion equals bad. It ignores the premise it should have had from the start. Instead, synthetically engineering two entirely different, uninteresting, and hollow stories that it struggles to connect. Some effects look polished, some ropey. Worst of the franchise. Wow. Uh, that's a strong statement here. Ian Samuel says it delivers the spectacle you expect, but Jurassic World Dominion feels underwhelming for a finale as it treads familiar ground. Lovely to see the OG trio, though, and their strand is the strongest even if it unwittingly highlights how bland the JW characters are by comparison. And uh, Jermaine Lucier said, Jurassic, truly Jurassic World Dominion is bad, so bad it's too long, it's wildly repetitive, and the dinosaurs are window dressing for multiple uninteresting, unrelated stories. The actors do their best, but it's all just overindulgent and pointless. One, if not the worst in the franchise. So, and Eric Davis said, good news. Jurassic World Dominion is my favorite film of the new Jurassic trilogy. It's stuffed with thrilling dinosaur encounters and lots more Jeff Goldblum, but it's also got a great balance of creepy and inventive scenarios with some choice nods to what came before a solid finale. So uh, very much split points of views. Um, and uh, my friend Scott Menzel over at Hollywood Critics Association saying it is massive disappointment. It does feature some incredible dinosaur sequences. It is great to see the original cast back on the big screen. The film fails to deliver on what the previous films promised. So gentlemen, Thoughts on these first reactions as you're hearing them from, um, you know, seems very mixed, uh, right down the middle. Um, uh, and uh, what are your thoughts here now as you think about possibly going to see this movie this week? Uh, well, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, the less than positive um, thoughts, 
aren't really a surprise. I mean, it okay. doesn't really the the Jurassic World trilogy. You know, I don't think it's it's, you know, breaking any land speed records for story. Mm-hmm. I mean, the premise as a whole that they're in the world of Jurassic Park, they're going to try it again after this huge disaster. Um, it's it's such a tough, tough mountain to climb at that point. <laughs> but the fact that they did do it, I mean, the, the second one, Fallen Kingdom, which I thought was, I, you know, I didn't think Jurassic World was bad. I was like, it was fine. It was it's fine. That was no. that was fun. Um, it's bad, Fallen... but it's... <laughs> yeah. it was fine. Pretty, it was fine. Uh, pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It was fine. It was fine. <laughs> um, the second one, such an interesting idea that I feel like was only about half a movie, and so they had to come up with something else to fill up the second half. Um, at the Ooh. end of Jurassic World, I mean, again, emotionally, I was disconnected. I was kind of like, okay, that's what this is. All right, got it. This is a movie that I'll go see, see some fun stuff. But at the end of the day, I won't think any more about it and then watching the trailers you know when we first talked about the trailer you know vogel vogel got hooked yeah (laughs) where where is my thought was like yeah that this trilogy is made for good trailers um when it comes down to the actual film it's like "Eh, it's it's pretty thin um so i'll go see it we'll see what happens full disclosure let's just be clear vogel didn't get hooked Vogel knows that Vogel is in an abusive relationship with the Jurassic World movies. <laughs> Vogel knows that he saw that trailer and was like, I'm absolutely going to go see this movie. And I also know that when I see this movie, it's going to be the stupidest movie in the world. I that know, sure like hooked to me. No, no, no. Hooked is, hooked is, guys, I think it's going to be different this time. I got a feeling they nailed it. Like, all the, all the reviews that are saying this movie is a massive disappointment. This movie cannot be a disappointment because the Jurassic World movies are so fucking stupid mm. that this movie has nowhere to go but up. If I come out of this movie and go, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen, then that was a Jurassic World movie. If Laura Dern and Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum make me happier, if the dinosaurs do anything that makes sense, if the ending of this movie is better than, hey, maybe let's release all the dinosaurs into the wild, that seems like a good idea, then we're good to go. Like, it's great. And if it's not that, then I come out and go, those dinosaurs look really pretty. Holy shit, I can't believe Universal fucked this up so bad. Full disclosure, Shannon McClung works for Universal Studios, so uh, it's a uh, Hollywood. So I mean, just a uh, full disclosure. Full disclosure. <laughs> so his, uh, you know, you got You got to admit that, just like Savannah Guthrie, Guthrie did this morning. Um, listen, you got, you put it on the table, and I, I saw it last night, and you know, I went in thinking, okay, look, I like the trailers. Let's put it in the snow. This is something we haven't seen before. I'm excited. And the thing, I think, let's put it in the snow. <laughs> That's a development meeting, guys. Okay. What are we gonna do for the next movie? Let's put it in the snow. Green light. Have we done snow before? <laughs> I don't think so, Colin. Let's do it. Um, no, but I mean, at the end of the day, I was hoping to come out of this thing feeling like having a lot of fun. I wanted to have a lot of fun. You know, I go into these movies wanting to have fun, and I rarely do. I think that's the sad truth of it. That's what makes me upset. It's not that I want to take my knife and fork out and carve up this movie and eat it. It's more a matter of like, damn, there's so much potential here. You've got really great talent attached to this. Tomorrow's a good director. Jay Bayona is a good director. You had Chris Pratt. Bryce Dallas Howard Howard is a fantastic actress. B.D. Wong coming back is always fun. And in this one, you're bringing back the legends. These legends, Sam, uh, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum. And But too much, as Clayton Davis said, too much is just like, bam, bam, a bam, a bam, a bam. 
And it's not like, is there any foundation to this? Is there any kind of reality to this? And I find it fascinating that the Jurassic Park people and the Jurassic World people have the indignation to bash the Transformers movies. And, and it, when literally, and, it's the exact same franchise. Well, One good movie to start it off. Everything else has been a law of diminishing returns. And they got worse as the installments went along. And so that's the truth of it. So you trying to tell me there's something better about this Jurassic Park franchise over the Transformers franchise is absolutely and utterly ridiculous. They're well, both terrible. They both have hollow characters, terrible plots, smart people doing stupid things. It's ridiculous. So at the end of the day, it's a shame. But I will say it was nice to see the three back together again. It really was. Did I like the way they handled it? Probably not. But I liked seeing them and they had great chemistry. So that's that's the extent of what I'll say. Here's what I, I will, I will, I will. Okay, here's one thing I just will say. I do think that I know you have strong feelings about how much you love to love the Transformers movies and then say that the Transformers don't matter because they're hollow and bullshit and it's an 80s cartoon. So I never cares? said I that. Have a good First time. of all, you want to talk about put, Rogan never said that. It was hollow. I never said that, for God's sake. <laughs> I think you literally just said hollow. I would have I to rewind. I would have to rewind the tape. But. What I'm saying is every time we talk Transformers and you talk about how you love it and I talk about how I find that to be hugely disappointing, you usually respond in some form saying it's based on an 80s cartoon that was made to sell toys. Yeah, made to sell toys. And, talking and so it doesn't matter. It's, fun. it's about fun, having fun. Now, I think that if you are someone who, like John, loves the Transformers movies just because, or if you're someone who is like, guys, why don't you stop dogging on Jurassic World? I'm excited to go see some dinosaurs this weekend. It's great. Like, if you go see the Transformers movies or the Jurassic Park movies because you want to eat popcorn and you want to see giant robots yes. or giant dinosaurs, that's super cool. I think that, like, where John and I disagree on Transformers is that as someone who grew up watching Transformers and as someone who worked at Hasbro and worked on Transformers animated series and like has sat and had like extensive conversations and meetings about the Transformers lore, I feel like there's a lot that's left on the table and that there's a better movie out there. What did and I similarly- What did I just say about Jurassic World? I said the same thing. There's so much potential, a lot left right. on the table. That doesn't you just work. don't usually say that about Transformers as much. You just love to love them. I do love, but, but, because I, I don't try to push them as some kind of, great misunderstood franchise they're fun but it is jurassic but it World, is jurassic park people defend this franchise as if it's this phenomenally misunderstood that people just don't get how much fun there is in these movies and it's bullshit they're both equally crap and you can enjoy them i know they're not great movies the transformers movies they're fun and i don't try to put too much into them but people try to denigrate the Transformers films and comparison to, as if there was more lofty conversations happening in Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, which is fucking ridiculous. Shannon, you, you, have, a lot of, you have a lot of feelings here. Are you okay? <laughs> Two thoughts. Yes, please. J John's, John's, uh, John's take, to me, that definitely sounds not hooked. And I just wanted to clarify Correct. when when John was saying the Jurassic people, he is talking about the fans. He's not talking yeah. about the creative team. No, not at all. No, 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 no. The Jurassic <laughs> people. Yeah. I'm talking about the fans. Yeah, not not the filmmakers. I respect the filmmakers. They're as I said, they're both of them are good directors. All of them through the series are good directors. Yeah, except that Spielberg guy. <laughs> I mean, Ooh. he did make the first bad one. So. And I can even defend Jurassic Park 3. I, I can actually defend that movie. But yeah. I can defend parts of Lost World. 
Yeah. Like, I, like, they're, like, Lost World, Lost World is not a great movie in a lot of ways, but it yeah. has some really fantastic sequences to it. Fair enough. And even Jurassic Park 3, like I will say, like I don't think, like Jurassic Park 3 is not a good movie, but it's not Jurassic World. Yeah. And I'll say one more thing to add. Oh, did you finish your second thought, Shannon? Sorry. Did you finish your second thought? Oh, no, I was, yeah, Jurassic people, the fans. Yeah, the fans. Uh, And and one last (laughs) thing, there's no Bumblebee in this Jurassic Park franchise. At least there's a Bumblebee in the Transformers franchise to kind of elevate it and save it a little bit. There's not even that. Yeah, but we got blue. We got blue. No, no, I mean the movie. There's no movie that's spin off from it that's really good. That oh, kind of got it, got it. We, we, didn't get, we didn't get the blue movie where it's like the Raptor <laughs> origin story where Raptor in the big city. Like, <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> Yet. 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 Right. <laughs> Sounds like it's, I think, 44 minute shorts for blue would work. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on to our uh, next thing. And I know we've gotten, wow, we were deep into the 20 minutes. Right, let's, let's jump into it, Shannon. We got some trailers to talk about. Trailers, trailers, trailers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've got uh two things that are gonna be on streaming, one thing in the big one thing on the big screen, but we're gonna start with our first look, or really our second look at Netflix's The Sandman. So this was uh, I'm so curious to talk about this with you guys. Um <laughs> offline, the three of us have had a couple of discussions, things have been thrown out. I thought the first, you know, real footage that we've seen of this. I thought this looked really, really cool. I mean, this is this is a stacked cast. Um, so I'm just going to throw it to you guys right away because I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. What did you guys think of our second look at Netflix's The Sandman? Mike? Johnny? Oh, okay. I'll say I liked it. I really did. I liked the environment. I liked the characters. We didn't get too much. Not a lot with death. We, I mean, just the look of death. We just saw death. That's it. Uh, we know that the dreaming is in trouble. If you've read the uh, uh, Sandman uh, series, you know that. Uh, I like the look of Tom Sturridge. I like the look of everybody. I mean, uh, uh, David Thewlis being in there was great. The last shot of uh, Boyd Holbrook there is the Corinthian. Oh, <laughs> that got me really excited. So overall, I would say that I just don't hope. I hope that it's not bad because because the look of it is so interesting and dreamy like and world and, and fuzzy and worldly and all that kind of stuff so i like it uh, the overall appearance of it and where it might be going that those are my thoughts uh overall uh, is my- there something in it that makes you think that makes you fear that it's going to be bad though it's such a difficult thing and it looks like they're focusing on preludes and nocturnes and so i wonder how accessible it's going to be because the reason it's so beloved by those of us who love it is it's not a pop culture mainstream. It's not Batman. So it's very much protected by us. And we know because of the complexity of it, are they going to risk the complexity of it to make it more palatable for more Netflix audiences? This is my scare and my concern. Nothing in the trailer I saw made me concerned, just the overall approach. And Neil Gaiman saying, we're updating it. We're basing it on this, but we're making some updates for 2022. So I get nervous when I hear the word updates, you know? So okay. that's my only thing. Mike? I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Why? Do you like, really I don't, that and I don't. And, like, and so here's the thing. Cool. There, like, it is, here's the thing. I Everything John just said, I agree with. I think he looks great as the Sandman. Mm. I you can see those scenes if I you read if you've read Preludes and Nocturnes. You're okay. I see that. I see what this is. Yeah. I see this. There's Mad Hetty. There's the Corinthian. You see Desire. You see this. Like I'm seeing everything. 
And it looks like, okay, like, like and, and by the way, I'm with John. Like, I don't want this to be bad. Like, yeah, right. Exactly. I want to watch this and I want to be like, holy shit, this is Sandman on TV. I never thought we'd get here. And maybe it is just that I love the Sandman too much or like, I don't know. Like, there's so many things like, yeah. I, I'm sure, look, I'm sure that there are hardcore Marvel fans who every change that they made to Civil War or the Infinity Gauntlet story or, you know, every every little change they've made in a Marvel movie, there's probably somebody out there that's like, I loved these comics and fuck the MCU and fuck Kevin Feige and like whatever. And I don't know if that's what I am when it comes to Sandman, but like I just... Uh, you know, ultimately, John and I are coming at it from the same angle. Like, he's yeah. saying, this is all the stuff that looked good, and I really hope it's bad. And I think that with Sandman, I'm just a little bit like, everything looks decent. Like, it looks cool. The dreaming looks neat. Like, you you can tell they spent money on this thing. You can tell they really, like, wanted to cast it right. They got these people. It's like, it could be great. It, it I hope it's great. But I think that, like... There, there is, there does seem to be this, I watched it and I was like, okay, like this looks good. This looks good. This looks good. Why do I have a bad feeling? Like I just, I just am so worried about this and I don't know. And like, listen, I will be as often happens because well, not often, but once or twice on Geek Buddies, I've been wrong about things. Uh, <laughs> I I will be like, this is one where if if this comes out, okay, don't laugh too hard. Don't laugh too hard. Um, if, I, if, this, if this comes out and we all, and we decide to review it, if it's whatever, and we, we all get on here yes. and we all get on here and we are like, like, you know what I don't want? I don't want to review this every week and hate it. I don't want to be the one who every week on Geek Buddies is like, guys, this is just getting worse and worse. Like, I don't want to be the grumpy geek buddy on this. <laughs> Maybe it's so we'll time. See. Maybe it's time you put that um, hat on and see what it feels uh, like. <laughs> I don't want to read those comments. Oh, yeah, Vogel just hates it. Maybe a hundred Mike Vogel compliments could go away for a little while. It wouldn't be a bad thing. It wouldn't be a bad thing in the comments. <laughs> I don't want to be the grumpy geek buddy. So we'll see. I'm I'm very, very curious to see how it turns out. And just to clarify, Mike said, I hope it's bad. No, I hope it's not bad. I think he was just forgot a word. Right, right. I hope it's not bad. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I mean, you yeah. know, not being as steeped in the books as you all, but but purely from the Audible series, like, especially that visual of Tom Sturridge, you know, blowing the sand at the guards. I'm like, that is exactly what I saw in my head. So yeah. when you guys had expressed a little bit of like, I was like, why? It looks so I, cool. Just because we love it, man. I will say, I will say, I mean, to, to your point, Shannon, I mean, you know, sometimes you see adaptations of things and there's something you love. And just from the trailer, you can tell, like, like, especially back in the day, if you're like a comic book fan, like before we had a Marvel Cinematic Universe and DC was doing everything, like you would get like the adaptation of your comic book movie and you could tell like it was really done on a budget. Like they didn't have a lot of money. The effects weren't great. Like this, you can tell yeah, yeah. that they are trying to get this thing right. Yeah. Like they are spending the money it, like they, there's definitely care being taken here. So I don't want my bad feeling to come across as I think the people working on this don't get it or it's off base in any way. Like everything looks like they are really aiming to bring this thing to the screen. I just, I'm just nervous. Just right. nervous. 
Well, we will find out on August 5th when it drops on Netflix. So our next trailer is for one of the coolest things I think I've seen in a while, and that is for Prey. This is a a, a film that uh, is essentially uh, the predator in the uh, it looks like the mid eighteen hundreds. In you know, I believe I believe it's Comanche territory. Yeah. Um, this trailer looked awesome. Like the Predator has had a somewhat troubled history following <laughs> its its first movie. Some would argue its second movie, but this is the first time watching watching a a, a Predator in the past and you know in in Earth's past. I, I thought this looked so so cool. So, gentlemen, what did you all think of our first look at Prey? Yeah, I did a trailer reaction for this one. I loved it. I thought it was great, you know, um, and the fact that they are releasing it and that the actors are doing it in Comanche as well. So you'd be able to watch a Comanche version. Comanche. Oh, language. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So you can go see it in a Comanche language version, which I think is incredibly sensitive to the Comanche people. And it's, it's set 300 years ago. It's a, you know, a, a young um, uh, Native American actress, Amber Midthunder, I think her name is. And she's the one that's taking this on and taking and trying to prove herself. So certainly the idea of a woman trying to prove herself in a patriarchal society transfers over to our our uh, times as well as that's becoming more prevalent in our entertainment as a storyline. And so seeing this here, I think works so well, but also the visuals. Dan Trachtenberger, I liked, or Dan Trachtenberg, I liked 10 Cloverfield Lane. He did the pilot for the boys. He's got the upcoming pilot for Waterworld. We'll see if that works out and it's good. So there's there's a lot in his record that, or in his resume rather, that makes me think this is going to be a good approach. I love the cinematography. I love the look and the feel of it. And they did a really good job of making sure that a majority of the actors are either Native American or First Nations people. And they have a Comanche producer on the film so very authentic in their approach and i think they understand this is a way to kind of reinvigorate the franchise in a new and interesting ways and i love the visuals and the that the grizzly bear and the predator and getting chased and all of that through all of it really really worked for me what about you mike this trailer is so fucking good i can't (laughs) deal with it it's so good i love predator like i i love i think the first predator movie is just a fucking a plus movie and I love the mythology of the Predator, even though the movies are definitely like just um, a real, real mixed bag, mostly yeah. not a great bag. Uh, it, but like the, I actually, Steve Morris, uh, your Ooh. co-host on Cinephiles and I got yeah. and like, a, we were having a whole discussion recently about like great franchises, like what, you know, like where all the, mo- what, what's a franchise where all the movies are great. And we yeah. talked about Predator and I was like, look, Predator has two good movies, but it, you have, you need three movies to get there. Like, Predator 1 is great. Predator 2 is a fucking mess of a movie. But it has some cool stuff. Like, Predator 2 is where we get a lot more of the mythology around the Predator. Like, how it doesn't kill children. It doesn't kill Maria Conchita Alonso because she's pregnant. Like, you get some really cool mythological elements in a movie that is a very 90s movie. And then you get Predators with Adrian Brody, which also has some really cool things in it. Um... And as like, especially the fact that the score harkens back to the original movie, like, like there's, but then there's just a bunch of bullshit. And then there's like the aliens versus predators movies, which are just like the less said about them, the better, like they're like, they're, it's just really rough. So if you are a fan of the predator and a fan of that first movie and a fan of like the comics, uh, that, that have come out over the years through dark horse, like, you know, you know what the movie is supposed to be. And then you see these movies come out and you're like, ugh. and everything about this trailer is a home run. 
everything about this trailer gets whether the movie is successful or not will you know remains to be seen but this trailer is what a predator movie is supposed to be and it just looks great like i cannot wait for this yeah the whole idea that she wants to prove herself as a hunter and then you have the predator who is a hunter like everything about it just looked awesome well this one will be streaming on hulu august 5th and same our, day as same Sand- day same, same day as the same i day. will say i will say also just really quickly because I was, I was texting with my best friend from high school uh matt pinkison about it and he loves the predator movies and he loved the novelization of aliens versus predator oh yeah and aliens versus predator the novelization in the comic had a female lead like it was a female mm-hmm. and in the, the first aliens versus predator movie does parts of this but it does it very poorly but this idea of a female lead who is trying to prove who she is as a hunter and just like Shannon said, the Predator is a hunter, and that we may get to this point where there is like a understanding of two hunters who get each other. Like if they if they go down that road, I will be the happiest person in the world. I I am so thrilled that we might actually get an amazing Predator movie. I can't I can't I can't wait. <laughs> and Fingers I'm in. crossed. And August fifth, the same day as the Sandman. Um, your streamer uh, subscri- uh, subscribers should know that you only get to pick one. So you know. Mm. <laughs> by choice. the way, by the way, Shannon, this is what it looks like when you're hooked. <laughs> Hello. And our last trailer is our first full trailer for Black Adam coming out October 21st. We've seen stuff from this for two years from the first DC (laughs) fandom. We got a great speech from The Rock. We saw concept art most recently. We saw that DC in theaters 2022. We got a little bit. We saw our first shot of Aldous Hodge's Hawkman, uh, Noah Centineo as uh, as, uh, uh, Adam Smasher, Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate, and Quintessa, I lost her name. Yeah. Uh, Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone. Um, this trailer, I got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> well, do you want to go first? Go first. No, no, I'm going to, I'll throw it to you no, guys no, no. first. Well, it's, it's one of these things, and this is something that Vogel has talked about a lot. Um, when you have uh, sort of shared universes, um, is like, it, 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 it's proposing more questions than answers. And granted, that's the point of the movie, but it's like, where is this because black adam is traditionally a captain marvel slash shazam um uh uh villain who's become more of an anti-hero in recent years um the the exterior shots of this this just looks like another world i mean it does not look like our universe at all and so it's like okay is that how they're going is that where the justice this justice society is set up um the shots of pierce pierce brosnan looks awesome in this like he just looks so so great um you know i was chatting with mike kalinowski about this earlier and he was just like it's like he's alec guinness in star wars like that's Mm. he's like that's the vibes i'm getting from pierce brosnan's um uh dr fate kent nelson um not getting those vibes from the rock uh the rock is a very charming charming man has has turned in some great performances something with this sort of emotional depth we haven't really seen a lot maybe the the one movie snitch which he was phenomenal um but yeah i mean visually this movie looks awesome like this looks like a great um spectacle um will he be able to deliver sort of the shakespearean like tragedy that is black adam will he be able to deliver that performance based off this trailer 
Not sure. Fingers crossed. I would love to see this movie be fantastic, but it's a little like, huh? Well, if anything, this looks like it could be a Transformers slash Jurassic World good time. <laughs> so I will throw it to you guys. What did you all think of our trailer for Black Adam? Mike? Uh, I can't wait to see this reboot of The Scorpion King. Oh, it looks man. real good. Wow. It looks real, real good. Wow. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm just, I'm just, it is funny because you watch it and you're like, I mean, I think I've seen The Rock kind of play this role before. It's a Scorpion King. But I'm just kidding, and The Scorpion King is horrible. I'll say, like, I agree with a lot of what Shannon said. Like, like there are the bigger DC issues of, like, where in the universe is this? Is this taking place in the same universe where where uh, Shazam is? Like, what? Like what's the context? What are we building to? Like, those are always questions that are going to come up in the modern era when we have these big comic book and movie franchises. Um, putting that aside for a minute um, and putting aside whether The Rock can pull this role off, this is a cool looking movie. Like it looks really, really cool. It is all the all the characters look amazing, as you guys said. Uh, Hawkman looks awesome. Dr. Fate looks awesome. Adam Smasher looks awesome. Black Adam looks awesome. The effects in this movie look awesome. Um, and tonally remains to be seen what this movie is. But like The Rock getting pissed and just like knocking a plane out of the sky is pretty cool. Also, I do see, and not that this is a huge surprise, but this trailer does, although I think Shannon is right, it does raise a lot of questions, bigger, where does this fit into the DC tapestry question? Um, it, you, we do get a good sense of what this movie is. Like, okay, you show up in modern day, uh, there are heroes, and you can either be a hero or you can be a villain. And according to Dr. Fate, you're either going to be the big hero or you're going to, like, fuck some shit up royally and you need to decide and you're Black Adam and you got a big chip on your shoulder and you're super happy to kill people to get what you want. Like, okay, I get what this movie is. Yeah. I get what the emotional core of this is going to be. I'm willing to bet that because this is his movie, he's going to end up being the hero but then that starts to lead into more questions of like, okay, well, if you end up being a good guy, what does this mean for you and Shazam? Like, are we going to see that? So I think that all on its own, just as, okay, The Rock is starring in a big special effects superhero movie. I think I came out of this trailer feeling better than I thought that I was going to feel when I started it. I was like, all right, like, this looks like a fucking good time. I'm in. But where that goes for them, and it's the, it's the Joker conversation all over again. It's like... As a standalone movie, this might be great. But if this does well for DC and it makes a bajillion dollars and we're absolutely going to see more of The Rock as Black Adam, which if it's good, I hope we do. Where does this all fit with everything that DC is doing? And I think that's a question that I don't even think everyone at DC and Warner Brothers knows the answer to. Um, I, I liked the trailer. Uh, I, I'm not looking for a Shakespearean performance for The Rock for something like that. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just adjusting my expectations. I did like the idea that it is, you know, his son sacrificed himself. So they are laying the groundwork for, for some tragedy being the foundation of why he's doing what he's doing. And the fact that they're going to probably use that and Dr. Fate is going to use that to say like, hey, this isn't what he would have wanted. This isn't what he wanted you to do. So you're seeing a very strong Black Adam saying, I kneel before no one. I was a slave. I know what it's like to be a slave. So maybe there is a moment where Dr. Fate says to him, look what you're doing to the rest of the world. You're enslaving them to your point of view. So it could be a deceptively 
um, interesting social political commentary going on underneath all the fun blasting and explosions and all of that about this idea of having one person's opinion kind of subjugating the world and what that really means. So you wonder if the Justice Society of America is being formed to combat him or if it's being it it has already been formed and goes to fight him. Because Dr. Fate is using a lot of logic on him in, in these voiceovers. And even Aldous Hodge says, you don't have to kill as Hawkman. You don't have to kill. And he says, well, I do. And so we'll see how this plays out as the film goes along. But I'm opening the door to him being an anti-hero. Uh, and I just have a feeling that they're going to find a way to make it work with Shazam. And with this recent changeover at Warner Brothers, my mind starts to think if they bring back Henry, a Henry versus the Rock situation would be incredible. So just open, just the fact that Zaslav has kicked out uh, Toby and now there's someone else stepping in. Are the doors slightly ajar or maybe opening for Henry Cavill to come back? It could be fun to see down the road, but this is going to be fun. It's going to have a little more seriousness, and that's why you bring in someone like Pierce Brosnan, because The Rock is not going to bring you that Shakespeare stuff, but Pierce will. And by osmosis, The Rock is going to be taken along with that um, uh, attitude of Pierce's and that talent of Pierce's. And so we're going to get that feeling, even though it's not The Rock delivering it to us, and I'm happy about that overall. Is that, is that how osmosis works? I don't know. Uh, I, I feel it too. I don't know. What I, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. And I like John Gullet Sarah. I thought Jungle Cruise was a lot of fun. I think he understands how to direct The Rock. Uh, yeah. Who may be the Christopher McQuarrie to The Rock's Tom Cruise, honestly. That is a good point. Like, I that I, I will say, like, I mean, I look, I don't think the Jungle Cruise is, you know, heavy, heavy drama. But no. I think the I mean, I think The Rock has some really nice emotional moments yes. in Jungle Cruise. I will admit that. I think that I think that, that is a good pairing. That's a good point. Shame. Well, we will find out on October 21st. Yeah, we will. My birthday weekend. Yeah! All right, uh, let's take a little bit of a break, and we'll get into our uh, spoiler review here of Stranger Things Season 4. Bum, bum, bum. You copped out. You copped out. I totally did. I totally did. Where's Kate Bush? Where's Kate Bush? I couldn't. Episode four? Well, let's get into it because I know we've got a limited amount of time. We're going to jump into our spoiler review here for Stranger Things Season 4. First seven episodes have dropped. I tore through them over the weekend. Shannon finished last night. Mike finished ahead of both of us. Uh, So let's, real quick, let's talk about overall what our feelings are. And this is a spoiler review. So if you haven't seen all the episodes, stop here. Thanks for watching. Finish them and come back and watch this uh, section of the show. Vogel, I'll go to you first. Overall thoughts on uh, Stranger Things Season 4, the first seven episodes. I do not understand how this show is as good as it is. Yeah. Like that is my overall, like my overall feeling is every, and, and like the, it, it, I guess they've got a good thing going because like there's such a gap between seasons mm. that you get to Stranger Things and you're like, oh yeah, like Stranger Things premiered. I gotta, I gotta check it out. And with Obi-Wan coming and all this stuff, it's like, oh yeah, Stranger Things, I gotta check that out too. And you're always kind of like, you forget a little bit that it's really good. And then you go back and you dive in. And you're like, okay, same thing. It's the kids. It's the 80s nostalgia vibes. This time we're doing a little bit of a Nightmare on Elm Street riff. I get it. That'll be cute. It'll be fun. And then, like, you're just like, fuck, this is good. This is so good. And what the Duffer Brothers did, I I did say, I texted a friend of mine, and I'm like, man, Stranger Things is so good. And he's like, well, you do love nostalgia. And I was like, all right, calm down. (laughs) But I do, I think what the Duffer Brothers have managed to do is... Yeah. Is uh is is really impressive because absolutely 
Stranger Things at, at its core premise does lean into nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, the references to every 80s movie, 80s song, 80s genre, 80s fashion, like it's all there. But if it was just nostalgia, we would have gotten tired of this so long ago. Mm. But the, man the, the way that they've managed to wrap nostalgia and the 80s and the vibe and that they've nailed that feeling of the 80s, but they've given us these really compelling characters in a really compelling story that really feels like it's going somewhere and that every single character gets their moment to shine over the course of these episodes. Like it's really, it's a very, very impressive balancing act, I think. Janet, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. overall thoughts on uh, season four, uh, season four of the first seven episodes here. Yeah, well, yeah, it's been three years since we've seen, yeah. <laughs> since we've yeah. seen anything. So, you know, when we started it, there was not the normal recap that you generally get with Netflix shows. Like, I don't know if like we just didn't get it or if it was by design, um, but it was like, oh right. shit, what happened? It's, oh, it's there. It, I got it, it. It was it when when we started it for you know season four episode one. It didn't it didn't automatically oh, come really? up. Really? Oh, which yeah. in you know in the past it, it has. So I don't know if it's just yeah. our Netflix or whatever. So there was a little like, wait, what's happening here? Okay, the buyers went to California. I kind of remember that. Eleven went with them. Uh, so there was, it, the first episode did not, like, it was, it was really good, but it didn't hook me right away because I was playing catch up the whole time. Right. Um, by the end of episode two, it's like full speed ahead. Like, this is such a good show. And what they do, I mean, besides, you know, have introducing these compelling characters, they're really good at adding compelling characters as well. Like Eddie, yeah. Eddie, the Eddie Munson so fun to watch yeah. that guy is really really funny but also plays the fear and plays the shock the uh, actor who's playing argyle that guy like yeah. that is th there is a very easy way to play that character overly broad and making it silly but this guy is is just the right amount he is funny he is just just off being broad and totally believable like even though i didn't go to high school in the 80s i'm kind of like i remember this guy mm. this you know this this stoner dude it's just so much fun to watch i mean again i would have liked to have had the recap just to have you know just to uh uh you know be fully informed of, of everything that's going on but you forget how charming these kids are like again yeah. it's just been so like you know finn wolfhard and millie bobby brown i think are the only ones that we've that have made that transition to the big screen um but you forget how funny uh uh gadden uh is it matarazzo yeah glenn uh, Matarazzo. Yeah. Yeah. um oh my gosh that kid is he, he's just so so funny it's just like when i told my wife last night like we got three episodes to watch and she was like, aren't these all like two hours? I'm like, no, 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 hour 15. And so that was sort of our, our objective. Yeah. I found out. Yeah. I, yeah, I actually thought it was, you, I thought you, it was one fifteen. You lied to your wife, sir. You lied to your wife. I relayed incorrect information <laughs> <laughs> to lie is to, is to, uh, to think it is active deception. Intentionally. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when the, when the third episode came up and I saw that 140, I'm like, eh, let's see, she might fall asleep. She didn't fall asleep at all. Like we, like she was dialed in the whole time. It was just so much fun. And then getting, getting Vecna, getting such an interesting oh, yeah. new villain and discovering how Vecna ties in, to everything, how everything ties into Eleven's backstory, knowing that we only have two episodes left to wrap up the season. And granted, they're both 
incredibly long run times um being like oh my gosh this season five whatever that last season is going to be seems like it's going to be epic yeah yeah i like the gore of it i like that like i said like michael pointed out the nostalgia this is the best of 80s horror it really is where and some people forget 80s horror was really some of it could be really good really scary unsettling tense building all of that is there and the idea that vecna essentially is there freddy krueger preying on the pain and the guilt of these um, hurt children and using that and entrapping them in the tree so he can use them to grow his strength and build his connection to the other world the idea of a gates being opened again it's the gates are never closed they're always open and i you know and and splitting them up so they have their separate storylines it could have really killed the show but it actually works because they spend yeah. a lot of time fleshing out each of the storylines with the characters. Do I think some storylines are stronger than others? Yes, absolutely. But I love that they keep revisiting and going back in time to a de-aged 11 and what she's remembering about that time from the opening eight minutes of the show, uh, of the first episode. By the way, I guessed what was happening, I think, in the, in the sixth episode with Jamie Campbell Boyer, and I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is great, you know? And so the way they made it come about was so perfect and then, you know, you're on the fence about whether Paul Reiser or Matthew Modine, whether those two characters, what their um, um, ulterior motives are. All of that keeps hanging above everything as Eleven is trying to figure out how to recapture her powers. And then we see the, all the other kids like going on their separate adventures to try to help each other. And yeah, you're so right, Shannon, the way they bring in new characters and then bring back characters from last season uh, to have them have critical moments and critical scenes in the show works so well and the kids have such different personalities that work so well to kind of counter whatever the adults are doing and i think rob morgan coming in as the sheriff is so great i love rob morgan uh and his assistant there from search party that guy he's so funny in his approach to things as a, a bumbling deputy in essence so all of it works so well and i've enjoyed the writing here i've enjoyed the illusions i've enjoyed the horror and the terror of it all and the time goes by so fast i mean yeah. like for me i was really surprised by that because <clears throat> one of the reasons i didn't want to watch this season initially was because it was so daunting those run times but once you start whoo it's like a speeding train we literally tore through it well, in two days yeah and it's the opposite you know like sometimes with the marvel shows or with obi-wan yeah, or the star wars shows it's like we get to you know we usually bring it up it's like oh well this one was just 38 minutes uh this one was 42 minutes but you know with those credits i just feel like we're not getting i wish we had more yeah, yeah, and yeah. netflix is like here you go you asked for it <laughs> go for it and, and and even though like they're so long you are right like i'm like just give me like just just inject it into me like yeah. it's so interesting I, and i also think you know with the whole vecna of it all it freddy krueger and what freddy krueger is all about is so iconic yeah. that going up against freddy krueger saying we're going to do our version of freddy krueger we're going to do this thing where you kind of go into a dream realm ish yeah. you're kind of like and and this guy is going to like use your fears and twist them against you and do this stuff and then bringing robert england into the show yes, as yes. a character that so sort great. of is tied to the vecna of it all yeah. like like the the number of ways that you could fall short of Freddy Krueger are numerous. The number of ways that you could feel like a wannabe or an also ran or you didn't do it as good. And the fact that they pulled it off, both in the execution of Vecna and then sort of surprising us at the end with tying Vecna into the story of Eleven and what happened with her. Yeah. Um, I mean, they kind of just hit a home run. And, 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 and particularly... 
the whole song thing, which all of us are now oh. like talking about what our Vecna song would be. Like we're like, oh, I hope my friends get me out of this one. Um, they just they really they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and who who knew that uh, Brett Gelman's character, Murray oh Bellman, God. knowing karate was going to be so freaking satisfying? That sequence on the plane where he actually. It's, yeah. My legs are spears. My arms are iron. <laughs> it's so funny to find out that he's essentially Kramer from that episode of Seinfeld where he's fighting kids. And that he beat the 16-year-old. But that 16-year-old, he beat the 16-year-old once. Yeah. The the Yuri character, so oh. much fun. The uh, the actor who played uh, 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 Jagan Hagar in Game yeah. of Thrones, who's the one Russian officer. And David Harbour having some incredible scenes. Yeah. Like, I know we've mainly been talking about the kids, but the adults are are, yeah. are doing just outstanding work. The whole Russian prison section is just so compelling in a way that I'm like, how, like, so wait a minute, he, that's right, he got transported to Russia. How is this going to work? Yeah. And everything has worked. Like, like, talking about, like, the new characters are in, like, returning characters – I don't feel like, and I, you know, I could be wrong, um, but but I feel like there's never been a character that they've introduced, and I'm like, eh, I'm kind of done with this person. Wish yeah. they'd go away. Yeah. All of these characters are just so interesting to watch, and even though it was it was more the husk, but we finally get to see what happened to Barb. Yeah, and it was uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, so heartbreaking. And also, like the acting here, you mentioned, yeah, and I th and I've seen some people complain about the Russian side of things. And I tell you this, I think it appeals to certain people. It appeals to certain people of age. Maybe it's a male-centric story. So that's why. Because I've seen mostly female critics bashing that uh, uh, section of the of this season. And I'm maybe they don't relate. Maybe they don't connect to it. But I do. I liked it. And I agree with you, Shannon. I liked that Russian side of things. And Harper's what, what are the What are the criticisms specifically? Just saying that just... It's, it, I, they should have killed him off in season three. Why are we still hanging? They're, they created a storyline just to keep him alive. And somehow they're able to break into this thing. And I'm just like... Yeah, but, you know, but it works. It works because it's about love. It's about their love. And that monologue that he delivers is so powerful. Look, Sadie Sink's monologue in Dear Billy, episode four, at the grave, Billy's grave, is incredible. And that whole yeah. sequence with, as you mentioned, the running up the hill sequence, all of that is the standout scene of the show. But that monologue and David Harbour's monologues are the two best acting moments of the entire season, for sure, in my opinion. And so I love that they both work because they're speaking about loving her brother, him loving Winona Ryder's character. And also we see the flashback of him losing his daughter and losing his wife. The pain of that mm -hmm. with him, it's so well done. And Millie Bobby Brown is killing it yet again as Eleven as they give her more as an oh. older actress, more to do, more to mind, more to more emotional levels to play. She's incredible this season. Yeah, the moment where she uses that skate to oh knock my that girl in the Ooh. face. Ooh. I feel like oh. that was the that was the first case in the 80s of fuck around and find out. Yeah. I, mean <laughs> I thought it was a dream. And my girl my girlfriend's like, it ain't a dream. This is real. She really did it. I'm like, it can't be real. She wouldn't do that. I'm like, my God, that's insane. Yeah. Fuck around. I do I do think I, I mean I think the two <laughs> things that are the I think I think the two things that are the key to this show's success. I mean, it, like, everything we're saying is great and the performances are great and everything, but as much as this is all about like, you know, the upside down and we're doing riffs on 80s stuff and we're going to get a war games reference here and we're doing Freddy yeah. Krueger and we're doing the haunted house and we're like, like as much as this is just a 
love letter to the 80s. Every single emotional storyline with every single kid and adult is so clear and so strong. Yeah. Like that we have got, uh, you know, the uh, the 11 and Mike love story where she's like, you don't say you love me. We've got, you know, Dustin and Steve and Eddie and this sort of like, oh, yeah, he's actually a good kid, whatever. you got the Lucas and Max storyline. you got the Max storyline with her brother. You know, you've got the David Harbour romance with uh, with Joyce. You've got every even like the Robin and Nancy subplot where like they kind of come to an understand like every single yeah. character in this movie uh, or in this movie in this series has a specific point of view, a specific reason for being there to move the plot forward and a specific emotional story uh, or emotional dynamic to play with somebody else. So that's the one thing that I think they never have strayed from that formula. And so many times when you have this number of characters, things do just fall apart. You know, characters, as people are saying with the Jurassic Park reviews, like characters just do things or know things because, and you're like, whatever. Um, The other thing that this does, which makes it feel inherently 80s, um, is this is like a truth of like every Amblin movie. This is what made every Amblin movie work. It's what makes Goonies work. It's what made Stephen King's It work is this idea that kids are smarter than adults and that kid logic yep. will save you in a way that adult logic doesn't. Right. So kid logic is if you listen to your favorite song, you'll escape. Right. Kid logic is we are going to understand this all in Dungeons and Dragons terms or Eddie is going to be like, I don't want to go do this, but I guess we're taking the ring to Mordor. Like there is this inherent idea that kids understand the universe in a way that adults never will. And it's what allows them to do amazing things in a way that adults don't. And Stranger Things has always done that. And I think that has worked for them all the way through. I, I, I might push back a little bit and say that it's it's different as you become an adult. And I think that's what Eleven's story is here. For her, it's not the song. For her, it's her memory, her favorite memory, the moment of joy, which is seeing her mom as she comes out of the womb as a baby. That's what gives her the power. And that as an adult is what you connect to is a favorite memory. That's what keeps you connected. That was That's what keeps you going. That's what motivates you. That's what drives you. Whereas the kid, of course, you, you're not there yet emotionally. Mo- almost all kids are not there yet emotionally or mature-wise. So the song is what kind of subs in for that. And later in life, it's your children or your wife or your husband or your family or, or whatever that drives you to do the right thing or, or to, to find the power within you to do the right thing. And I think that's what's uh, uh, maybe a little bit of a twist on that, Mike. But you, you make excellent points. I'm just saying maybe a little bit – that, that's a little subtext going on for when Eleven finally finds her strength to take out uh, Jamie Campbell Boyer, uh, a Bauer. Um, mm-hmm. Shannon, any more thoughts on the? Uh, I mean, oh, and Steve, Joe Carey, uh, oh, my God, he is so good this season, and I love the thing with him and Nancy. I love that it's coming back. It's so, it's like it's like uh, what's Nicholas Costa Walder from uh, from fucking Game of Thrones. They've turned him around so much that you love Steve. <laughs> Even when he gets thrown in with the kids, he's like babysitter again. Oh, he's great. He <laughs> is so natural. Like they're all so natural. Like yeah. they, they, they've really lucked out with their casting on this. And oh, that, yeah. that these kids that they cast years ago as just little kids, as they are all going through puberty and voices are changing and they're all coming adults, they are still going strong. They are all delivering in a major way. Yeah, they are all in that supremely awkward age where they're getting super tall, but their bodies (laughs) haven't caught up yet, but they're still turning in really great work. The moment that they've got, they're out on the lake and uh, Lucas holds up those binoculars like, oh, when did Steve get so hairy? (laughs) (laughs) That, That moment is 
so funny. And honestly, like uh, Lucas's, I think, especially at the beginning when he was with the basketball team, I thought uh, he oh, yeah. was just doing such great work yeah. because we all had that friend yeah. in in middle school, in high school, where it's like, oh, you're we're starting to grow apart. You're hanging out with different people yeah. like and, and you can see just he's so conflicted in that moment where they're at Dustin's and he goes and decides to war. Oh my gosh. It was just so just flashes from the past. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember the guy's name, the kid who plays the main kind of yuppie jock or whatever that guy, (laughs) um, that moment that he has at the council meeting. Don't tell me you weren't thinking of 2022 in that moment when he's, Oh oh, yeah. 100%. Right to manipulate people. They're making a commentary here that they're manipulating. He's manipulating people into believing this nonsense and believing this idea that it's satanic possession. He's not necessarily off, but he's not right. So I believe uh, they call it follet adieu. <laughs> yes. And they bring, we should just title this episode. Oh, uh, and they bring, you know, he kind of motivates people to go out the door and go after the, these kids. It's just chilling. It's chilling when you see that happening uh, at a young age like that. Uh, so yeah, so much here to to really enjoy. One last thing, I know we got to wrap up. Do we like the Vecna story, the way they've done it? Does it work? Are there any holes here? As you two who write and and show run, do, are there any holes here in the creation of this story and the way they brought it back to in episode seven to reveal who Vecna actually is and how this all came about? Not for me. Like there was a moment where with the orderly, I'm like, wait, is he? Vecna? And then I started doing the math in my head. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, well, wait a minute. If it was 1957 and the flashback, that's 1983. Ooh, maybe. Then I looked up the actual actor's birthday. I'm like, oh, you're 10 years younger. Than- oh, yeah, that works. That works. Yeah. Holy crap, it's him. The, the tying like that there's this haunted story about this guy whose family died and that guy, and then you're like, okay, well, that is Vecna, but like, and they even say it like, well, but how did Vecna have victims this early and it doesn't make sense? And, you know, this whole thing. And when it all kind of clicks where that boy yeah. is number one and number one grew up and then became this orderly and then number one went against 11 and 11 pushed him away into the upside down and this is the beginning of this whole like it actually i mean i'm really curious to where season where where a the end of season four is going to go because we haven't seen the end yet we have two more episodes and one of them is basically a movie um (laughs) and then we have season five which is the final season but i think at this point given how eloquently they've sort of wrapped all that stuff together so far in this season not only do I think that they're that we're gonna we're in for a very thrilling finale to season four, but I think season five they are gonna stick this landing so hard. I we are not going to be in a Game of Thrones situation. Like we are going to be like Stranger Things is one of the is one of the one of the all time greats. That's my prediction. Yeah, there might be a triple zero somewhere. A zero 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 who may come in in season five. We'll see about that. And I love the fact that eleven is the counter to one. The one and one being the balance. Yeah. 11 being the balance to the ones. It's so great stuff for sure. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up there because we all got to go. Shannon, uh, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore uh, buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Sets. Mikey? Um, if you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more exciting things like Shannon hum incorrect songs, John talk about how much he hates the Jurassic Park fans, 
Or uh, let me list all of my favorite Vecna songs that I would listen to uh, to survive. Here is what course. you can do for us. Uh, hit that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page where you can see all the amazing content that he is posting. Leave your comments below. What did you think of these trailers? What do you think of this Joker movie? What do you think of Jurassic Park Dominion? And most importantly, what do you think of Stranger Things Season 4? Let us know. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, leave us some stars, leave us some comments so that we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it to your socials, send it to your friends, tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. And big shout out to Carbon Health who powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddy. Thank you so much to Carbon Health. Go to, Carbon, go to CarbonHealth.com and see if they've got a <clears> clinic <throat> or facility near you or offering virtual care for whatever your health care needs are. They absolutely are there to serve you and help you get better. They believe in creating health care plans for you specifically. Go there to CarbonHealth.com or download the app. Have a doc in your pocket for any health care situations that pop up while you're out and about in the world and get some COVID testing packs that they're selling now for people to pick up as well. Uh, all right. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the geek. Fully. I do. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> Your search is at an <laughs> end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy, or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.